And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. John chapter 6. John 6. And I hope you'll turn there or scoot next to somebody who has the Bible because we're going to look at a lot of verses today. And so, John 6, as you're turning, I will remind you last week in chapter 5, Jesus fed 5,000 men plus the ladies and the children. He fed thousands and thousands of people with just a little. Then he sent the disciples across the Sea of Galilee on a boat. They were about halfway across the sea and a storm came and, and then Jesus came walking on the water to the, to the disciples. They were terrified. It's a ghost. Um, but then they realized it was Christ. He came on the boat and then the next thing you know, the boat has made it across the sea miraculously. Um, and so now as we come to chapter 6 or the next part of chapter 6, um, we'll see kind of what happens next. And so I want to look at 22 through 25 just to kind of set the, set the table. So, so Jesus has crossed the sea with the disciples. So let's see what happens in 22 through 25. It says, The day following, when the people which stood on the other side of the sea saw that there was none other boat there, save that one whereinto his disciples were entered, and that Jesus went not with his disciples into the boat, but that his disciples were going away alone. Howbeit there came other boats from Tiberias nigh unto the place where they did eat bread. After that the Lord had given thanks. When the people saw therefore that Jesus was not there, neither his disciples, they also took shipping and came to Capernaum seeking for Jesus. And when they had found him on the other side of the sea, they said unto him, Rabbi, when camest thou hither? So they realize Jesus is gone. They assume maybe he somehow got across the sea. Some other ships showed up, and they got on these boats, and they went across the sea. These are the people that Jesus had fed, and they're seeking him. They want to go see him, and we'll talk why in a minute. But as they go to see him, he's teaching them here in Capernaum. And the theme of this sermon in the rest of chapter 6 is, I am the bread of life. And Jesus will give us seven I am statements in the Gospel of John. And this is the first one. I am the bread of life. As he had just fed them physical bread, right? When he multiplied the bread and the fishes, he fed them physical bread previously in this chapter. He now says, I am the one who can feed you spiritual bread. I can feed you spiritually. So we're going to look at 26 through 51 for our main text this morning. And so if you're at 26, say word. And y'all listen closely. And, and notice when he says that he is the bread of life. So Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, You seek me not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat the loaves and were filled. Labor not for the meat which perish, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him hath God the Father sealed. Then said they unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God, that you believe on him whom he hath sent. They said therefore unto him, What sign showest thou then, that we may see and believe thee? 
What dost thou work? Our fathers did eat manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I said unto you that ye also have seen me and believe not. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that all of which he hath given me I should lose nothing but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Verse 41. The Jews then murmured at him because he had said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose Father and mother we know, how is it then that he saith, I came down from heaven? Jesus therefore answered and said unto them, Murmur not among yourselves. No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall be all taught of God. Every man therefore that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. Not that any man hath seen the Father, save he which is of God, he hath seen the Father. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. I am that bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven, that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I, which I will give for the life of the world. So as I studied this passage and even the rest of chapter 6, it's really just a sermon of, of Christ. And I don't really feel like I'm even going to present it the way I normally do maybe because it's a, it's a sermon. It's, it's good enough just like it is. <laughs> we could just read that and, and, and think about it, but... But I'm going to do my best to bring out a few points here. And the sermon is clear, I think, and the metaphor of the bread is clear. But I want to just draw your attention to two main things this morning. First, I want us to notice God's role in giving the bread of life. God's role in giving the bread of life. And then secondly, we're going to notice man's role in receiving the bread of life. God's role and man's role. First, God's role in receiving the bread of life, and I have three sub-points for this. The first one is this, as far as God's role in giving the bread, notice that Jesus came from heaven. Jesus Christ, Son of God, left heaven, came to earth, right? If you don't believe me, go with me on a little journey here in this text. Look at verse 32. Verse 32, it says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you 
not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. Christ there speaking of himself. Verse 33, for the bread of God is he which cometh down from where? Heaven. Skip down to verse 38. Jesus says, for I came down from heaven. Verse 41, I am the bread which, I'll see it again, came down from heaven. Verse, which one was that? 41, 42. Look at the last part of verse 42. where he, They're quoting Jesus here. I came down from heaven. Verse 46. Not that any man hath seen the Father, save he which is of God, he hath seen the Father. Christ is saying, I saw the Father, right? And I left to come down here. By the way, side note here, I would encourage you not to waste time on books where people claim to have gone and to heaven to see God and come back and tell us their stories. I would, take, I would not read those books, and I would encourage you to just get rid of them. Um, Jesus says here, he's the one who comes from God and reveals what, what that's about. And so that's, that's a side note. I could go on and on. but Verse 50. This is the bread which what cometh down from heaven. Verse 51. I am the living bread which what came down from heaven. Skip down to verse 58. We did not read that. This, this will be for next week. But verse 58 says, This is that bread which came down from heaven. What's the point of this? Why did I show you all this re repetition? Jesus is saying to these people, these are people who know the Old Testament. They know of God, the God of the Old Testament. And he's saying, I am the one that he sent. I am come down from heaven. It's me. I am God. I am the Son of God. And you would think all the miracles they had already seen and the teaching they had already heard, that it might, they might get it, right? How would you not get it? You see him healing uh, a guy who's sick for 38 years, and you see him feeding all of you with this, this five loaves and two fishes, and, and like, how is he doing all this? And they're like, not getting it. They're not getting it. And so he says over and over and over again here, I am the one who came down from heaven. I am eternal. I've already existed. John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. John 1 tells us Jesus Christ is eternal. He didn't, Jesus wasn't, didn't start his journey in Bethlehem, right? He's always existed. He is eternal God, and he came down from heaven. That's clear in this passage. Secondly, uh, about God's role in giving the bread, notice that Jesus came down to accomplish the Father's purpose. Jesus came down to accomplish the Father's purpose. Go with me again on this journey. Verse 32. The last part of verse 32 says, My Father gives you the true bread from heaven. Verse, 43, verse 33, again, I came down from the Father from heaven. Verse 38 specifically here speaks to this. He says, For I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. What did Jesus say in the Garden of Gethsemane? Not my will, but thy will. Again here in verse 38. Verse 39. This is the Father's will which hath sent me, that all of which he hath given me I should lose nothing. Verse 30, verse 40, excuse me. It just repeats it. And this is the will of him that sent this is the will of him that sent me. Verse 44. 
No man can come unto me unless the Father which sent me draws him. Look at verse 57. As the living Father hath sent me, and I live by the Father. John 10, 29, he speaks of his Father which gave to him. So in John 6, in John chapter 6, we see a clear picture that Jesus Christ was sent to accomplish the Father's will. And what we see in these past, this passage is the unconditional grace that God has for his people and the irresistible grace that God has for his people. I'm, I'm going to show it to you. His grace is unconditional. His, his grace is irresistible. And I'm going to show it to you this way. I want to explain this to you by asking some questions, then, then I'm going to answer the questions and show you where they are in the Scripture. Okay? So, here we go. First question, who will come to Jesus for salvation? Answer, though the gospel should be preached to all people, only those who are drawn by the Father will come to Jesus. We must preach the gospel to everyone and pray he draws them, but only the ones God draws will come to him for salvation. Look at verse 44. No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him. Who can come to Christ apart from the drawing of the Father? Nobody. Skip all the way down to verse 65. And he said, Therefore said I unto you, verse 65, that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my Father. Question two, can someone come to Jesus for salvation without being drawn by the Spirit of God? No. Verse 44, no one can come to me unless the Father draws him. Question number three, does God draw all people to salvation? Answer, no. Because here's why. All those who were drawn by him will be raised on the last day to be with him. In other words, all those who are drawn in the drawing that's talked about in John 6, all those who are called in this type of draw or call will be saved. Look at verse 44. No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Question, next question. So, who does God draw? And it says, it tells us here in the text, God draws those that the Father gives him, gives to Christ. Verse 37. Who comes to Christ? All that the Father giveth me shall come. How about verse 39? Jesus said in the middle of verse 39 that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing. Every one that the Father gives to Christ, which is his chosen people, Christ dies for them and redeems them and will lose none of them and will one day raise them on the last day. I love the gospel. That God through and through saves our souls. 
John 17, 2, uh, you don't have to go there, but I'll read it to you. It says, Christ is praying, and he says, I'm going to give eternal life to all whom you have given. All whom you have given. And then it, and again in 6, verse 65, no one can come to me unless it's granted by the Father. Next question. If God draws someone, can that drawing be rejected? The answer is no. Now, listen to me here, church. The external gospel call can be rejected. I can preach the gospel to all of you and a huge crowd somewhere, preach the gospel of Christ, and people can walk away and not accept that gospel, right? That calling, that general external call can be rejected. But the drawing of John 6, this internal, effective, effectual call cannot be resisted. Because when Christ calls someone like this, he overcomes the sinner's heart. He takes out the heart of stone and puts in the heart of flesh. He makes that dead heart come alive. When Jesus went to the tomb and said, Lazarus, come forth, did Lazarus have any choice in waking up or not? He was waking up. Because Christ spoke this life-giving truth, this life-giving word to a dead man, and he woke up from the dead. And when Christ calls us in our hearts, in our spirit, it cannot be resisted. Many of you know this feeling, by the way. When you became a Christian, you know that you heard the gospel and you, you felt something. You felt a tug, people say sometimes. You felt something. That's Christ drawing and calling you to him. It tells us in these texts, in these verses, that he'll lose nothing and he'll raise it up on the last day. Sinners are blinded to the truth. Sinners, according to 2 Corinthians 4, 4, are blinded and they cannot see the truth. But 2 Corinthians 4, 6 says, God shines the light of his gospel into our dark hearts to give us the ability to see the truth. Let me give you another text. Acts 13, 48. It says, When the Gentiles heard the gospel, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord, and as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. Who believed in Acts 13? As many as were appointed to eternal life. Everyone that God calls with his inward effectual calling will be justified and will be glorified. Romans 8.30 Those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Which leads me to my next question. Can someone be saved without believing in Christ? Look at verse 40. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. We must believe to be saved. Another question. Does our belief, does our faith happen before or after God draws us or calls us? Answer. A spiritually dead sinner must be made alive by the regenerating power of the Holy Spirit before he or she can come to Christ. Ephesians 2, we were dead in sins and trespasses, and Christ made us alive together, and we are saved by grace through faith. 1 Peter 1, 3, Jesus Christ, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Christ. Question, will anyone drawn and called by the effectual calling of God ever be lost? No. 
never. Look at verse 39. I will lose nothing of all that he has given me, and I will, I will raise it up on the last day. Romans 8, 30 again. Those whom he predestined, he called. Those whom he called, he justified. Those whom he justified, he glorified. Jesus came to accomplish the Father's purpose and accomplish it, he did. And he said it is finished, and he completed his mission, and he completed it to the utter most Romans eleven thirty six for from him and through him and to him are all things to him be glory forever amen God receives all the glory for our salvation if you are saved he gets all the glory for it so the third thing related to God giving us this bread is that Jesus came to give life again quickly look with me at these verses again 33, notice that the, the emphasis here is on Jesus giving life. Verse 33, he says that, that he giveth life unto the world. Verse 35, he says, I am the bread of what? Life. Verse 40, in the middle part of verse 40, he says that they believe on him, they may have everlasting life. Verse 47, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. Verse 50, Verse 50 says, this is the bread which comes down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die, which means have life. Verse 51, he shall live forever and I will give life. Go down to verse 53. He speaks about having no life in you except you come to Christ. Verse 54, he mentions eternal life. Verse 58, he says, you will live forever if you eat this bread Jesus is a life giver. 1 John 5, 12 says, He that has the Son has life, and he that has not the Son ha does not have life. All of us in here know this truth. If we have Jesus, we have eternal life. But if we don't have Christ, if we don't, if we've not surrendered and believed in Christ, we don't have eternal life. We, have, we are in danger of eternal separation from God if we don't have Christ. I hope you see through this teaching that God's role in giving the bread of life to us is the most important thing. God's role is the decisive factor in every sinner's salvation. Everyone that comes to him. We, we are thankful to him. We sing praises to him. We serve him. We pray to him. We give to him. We do all these things because he first loved us, right? We, we need to remember it. We need to remember it so much because we could be tempted to brag or boast about something we've done to be saved. And the truth is, we were enemies of God, unworthy, undone, never going to turn to Him, children of wrath, the Bible says. But when we were in that state, Christ brought us to Himself. The Father drew us to Him and saved us. Praise the Lord. So that's God's role in receiving the bread of life. Notice Secondly, this morning, man's role in receiving the bread. We do have a role in receiving the bread of life. Look at verse 50, uh, 35. Notice here he says, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. Look at verse 37. All that the Father gives me shall come to me. Look at verse 40. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son. So our role, firstly here, is to come and see or come and look upon Christ. 
to come and gaze or come and notice. And these people were doing that. I mean, they got on boats and went across the sea to go see him. Now, they weren't going for the right reasons, were they? Jesus even said here in the text that they were going because they wanted more food, wanted to be filled. Or maybe they were looking for something. Not the right thing. And it reminds me of what I asked Paul Jr. to read earlier. You know the story of Numbers 21? The people are grumbling against God. God sends these snakes to bite the people. The people begin to get sick and die. Moses prays for them. And God says, Moses, take this stick, put a bronze serpent on it, raise it up in the air. And everybody who gets bit and is going to die, if they'll come and look at the serpent, they'll be saved, right? I love that story. It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. Because I just imagine those people saying, some of them saying, that's ridiculous. I'm not going to go look at a bronze serpent on a, a stick. But I also think about some of them who thought, that's what God said do, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it because I, I'm, I'm going to die otherwise. And I can imagine people picking up their family members and taking them, hey, look, look and see, you'll be saved, you'll be healed. I can imagine that. And so then in John 3, he said, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness so that people would come and see, even so the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, must be lifted up, that we would come and see him not in some superficial, materialistic way like maybe these people were, but that we might see him in truth for who he really is. What's man's role in receiving the bread of life? It's not enough just to come and see. Verse 35. At the end of verse 35, he that, what, believeth on me shall never thirst. Verse 40. Middle part of verse 40, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life. Verse 47, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. Verse 50, this is the bread which cometh down from heaven, that a man may eat thereof and not die. Verse 51, I am the living bread which came down if any man will eat, partake of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Flip back to John 5, 24, which we studied recently. John 5, 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life what is man's primary role in receiving the bread of life we just saw it over and over again it's not enough just to come and see but we must believe faith right simple faith which i will add is a gift from god by the way it's a gift that he gives none of us like i have really strong faith no god gave us our faith he gave it to us just as you must eat the bread of life, or just as much, just as you must eat the bread to get the benefit from it physically, you must receive the bread of life to get the benefit spiritually. You must take in Christ. This Christ who taught these crowds, who did miracles for these crowds, this Christ would go on to suffer and die for sinners. And the one who then rose from the dead and overcame life, the one who died and rose again, he is alive even now, 
and he is a life giver to all of us. He's a life giver for us. If you don't know Christ, turn from your sin, believe in him, and you will be saved. If you know him, this truth of what God has done to save you should be the, the fuel to keep you going as you serve him. Church, and I, I'm just being really honest with us, right? Some of us might say today, you know, I just really need to, I just need to be more active at church. But I just can't ever do it. You know what needs to fuel you to do it? Knowing what Christ did for you should fuel you. Not someone making you feel guilty. Not the preacher begging you to show up for church. What Christ did in and for us should be enough to cause us to want to be a part of his church. You think, well, I, I, I need to serve him in this way, but I just don't know if I can do it. What Christ did for you is enough to help you serve him the way he needs to be served. Whatever it is, I just can't overcome this thing, this thing in my life I can't get by, I can't get past it. Christ has already done the main work in you, and he can continue to work through you. He who began that good work in us will bring it to completion. Look to Christ, believe in him, and church, let's say to him, Father, have your own way. Have your way, have your will in my life and in this church. Let's pray.